And we're back. Let's talk about God. Let's go. Episode either 29 or 30. Just depends when I want to upload it. <laughs> we're ready to go. Hey, we've got something special today. We've replaced Dad with a special, cooler, younger host. Everybody, welcome Hi. Josh Trammell to the podcast What's today. What's up, everybody? Awesome to be here, Mevin. Thanks for letting me be on. Oh, absolutely. Dad's sick today, so we hate that he's out. Uh, but you know, we know Josh is, is going to do a great job today. Um, but who are you? Introduce yourself. Well, I am Josh Trammell. So I, uh, I am the pastor of Take Heart Church in Malden, um, right outside, uh, right side, right outside of Malden. We're technically in Greenville, but, uh, started the church four years ago. Church is doing great. We started with seven people in a house, uh, moved to a portable location. We did that for two and a half years at the Malden Cultural Center. And about a year and a half ago, bought our first facility, 21,000 square feet, and Dang. just been doing awesome things since. So, uh, man, God's been good, and I'm excited to be here. This church means a lot. So I was here for, man, I was here from the beginning, yeah. and then came back for seven more years. So take heart. So, I mean, I'm sorry. High praises will always be home. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, well, I've, I've known you for a while, your family Long time. for a while. I can tell some stories about Evan if Please you want to do. Can we do a stories about Evan podcast in about a couple weeks? How about this? Or or Jaren. We'll sit with Jaren. How about this? Stick around at the <laughs> end. We've got a bonus segment at the end of this Perfect. episode. We get one embarrassing story about me and one about my brother Jaren. I already have them. Actually, I can tell <laughs> I can ready, do it right now. Ready to go. I'm ready. <laughs> Stick around for it. You're, you're not going to want to miss that. But um, no, I'm excited for you to be on today, man. I, I know you've got a lot of awesome things to say. Um, you know, tell me, what are you passionate about? What, what do you kind of beat the table about? What, what's your thing? I think four years of pastoral leadership has taught me a lot. And so that's a tough question. I could probably name a lot of things um, outside of, you know, if, if you're talking about within leadership, within a church, I would say culture is probably my, my biggest passion. And I wasn't passionate about culture when I first started. Mm-hmm. And most guys aren't. We don't yeah. think about culture. We think about vision. We think about systems. We think about you know, experiences, and we think about production, but um, culture is a big deal, and the culture will either will, will either make or break mm-hmm. your ministry. And I learned that the hard way. So I would say now, four years in, I'm about culture. Culture, yeah, okay. and it's a big deal. Well, this is something we do on the podcast. Every time we do an episode, one of us will answer a 30-second definition of the topic today. Okay. Give me your 30-second definition. What is culture? Culture is what you tolerate and what you celebrate. So let me like break that. that down. This is what culture looks like. Um, whatever you celebrate in your church is what you, you begin to create culture that way. So if you are celebrating wins, if you're celebrating salvations, you're celebrating baptisms, at Take Heart, we, we keep a huge stack of $5 Dunkin' Donut gift cards, and we just send them out all the time. Mm. Um, our, our staff, each department leader, writes thank you notes constantly. Hey, thanks for your first you serve for the first time in kids' ministry. Five bucks, man, we're celebrating you. From the stage, we celebrate wins. We, so what you celebrate, the, the flip side of that is what you tolerate also creates culture. If you tolerate toxicity, if you tolerate um, uh, if you tolerate sin, if you tolerate anything in your church, I know a lot of times we just want to um, just kind of push back and say, you know what, it'll take care of itself. Don't worry about it. We avoid conflict. You're setting culture in your church, and you're and you're creating a culture to where people know that they can kind of get away with anything. Mm-hmm. And people wonder why can't I why can't I get people to serve in my church? Why can't I get why is every program I launch seem to not work? Well, you've kind of created a culture where you, you tolerate certain things and people see it. So I would say culture is what you tolerate and what you celebrate. That's good. That's something to write down. That's something to remember. We're, it wasn't no, for me, yeah. but I stole it. Yeah, I, stole, hey, I think, think Sam Chan said it. So. That's fine. Everything we do on this podcast, we stole right. somewhere. So um, I, I think you just mentioned it earlier, and, and even if you want to answer it real quick, where do you rank culture as far as importance? I know you mentioned um, vision, preaching, Product, excellence, I mean, you name it, a lot of really positive things. Where is culture, and why does it rank like that on your list? So let's separate the spiritual aspect from the leadership aspect. Mm -hmm. So obviously, prayer and time with God is number one. So we we have to establish that first. In your leadership capability, my opinion is culture is by and far number one. Number one, um, the reason for that, number one, is because your, your vision can only sustain what your culture is, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have an excellent church. You can you can put a system in place. You can go to ARC. You can go to Gateway. You can go to Church of the Highlands, whatever it is you want to do, and you can try to emulate what they do. The problem is 
You can't emulate culture. Culture is built from the ground up. So if you want the friendliest church in town and you go to what name friendliest church and you say, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to adopt all your systems, if your culture is not a culture of love and acceptance, it will eat that system for lunch and it will ultimately fail. Dang. If you say, hey, I, I want to move to a more contemporary style service, I, I, so I'm going to go to Gateway and, and I'm going to do all Gateway worship. But if your culture is not conducive to that, it's not going to sustain, not going to last. Your culture has to be the foundation for everything you try to launch. And, and a lot of times we get that backwards. We want to do uh, systems. We want to put in programs. We want, to, we want to cast vision, but we don't focus on can the culture sustain it? Are people going to rally around it? Uh, are people going to buy into it? Do they understand the why behind what we're doing? Mm. Well, they don't understand that. Um, everything else doesn't matter. It's not, it's not sustainable. Culture is what sustains you. You know, and and I think that we as pastors, and and not just as pastors, as leaders in a business, um, we miss that sometimes. Let me go down a rabbit trail real quick. Do you feel like you've learned this in your own life? Like oh, I absolutely. feel like I have the sort of copy and paste. Well, it worked at Hillsong or Elevation right. or Bethel or whatever. Let's copy and paste, and it'll work I here. Think, I fell prey to that. I think all young guys do that, and it's natural because we we're most most leaders especially pastors, are visionaries. Mm-hmm. We see what we want it to become. I, I see Take Heart already as a multi-campus church with thousands of people with new buildings, and so that's what we see, and we cast this massive vision. Well, what we don't see and what I didn't see in the first four years of Take Heart was um, all of the major milestones and steps and confrontations and conflicts that I'd have to go through to get to that. Well, every one of those things I go through was building the culture, that it's going to sustain the vision down the road. And if mm-hmm. I don't build it on a healthy culture, my vision will never take place. It's just a vision. It's just, it's just cast. We just mm-hmm. cast, 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 and we're not taking the time to lay the foundation. The foundation of your vision is your culture. Mm-hmm. And so I learned that the hard way. I have a lot of war stories for our church of um, we had some pretty toxic culture, and, and to be honest, it almost cost us a lot. Mm, I want to hear about that later because that sounds really yeah. interesting. Like we can— Learn a lot from it. Um, this next question is a loaded question, and I, I would prefer you actually take a while and break this down. Okay. Um, what does a healthy culture actually look like? And then how can we break it down and measure it? So give me, paint me the perfect picture of a healthy culture, but then most people are going to go, I know I have a culture, but how do I actually assess it? What are some points I can break down? And feel free, go go yeah. in-depth on well, that. Well, it's a hard question. Um, I'm not sure there are major measurements for a healthy culture. I'm not sure you can say, well, if you've got A going on or B, A plus B equals C, culture. I like that. I just, just kind yeah, of put that great, together. Write that down. You know? no, but, <laughs> and I, but I do think that there are some warning signs that you can look for. And, and I'm speaking out of my own personal um, experience. Craig Rochelle has an awesome uh, message that I, I've actually taught at Take Heart, and it's it, he talks about the difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. And what he talks about is that a peacekeeper will do whatever it takes just to keep peace between two people. So if me and Evan have have tension, we have a conflict. What a peacekeeper will do is he'll say, you know what, I'm going to go to Evan individually and Josh individually because I don't want to create any conflict. I'm just going to work around the problem mm-hmm. and make sure everybody stays happy. Well, a peacemaker brings me and Evan into a room and says, this is a problem. We're going to deal with it, and we're not leaving this room until conflict is resolved. That's hard, and that's difficult, but that creates a culture, and that creates a system to where people don't live in disunity in their life. And I think that you can watch for that within your culture. Are people, do people have healthy conflict? Are people able to go to one another in love and in conflict and say, hey, we have a problem. Like, mm-hmm. Evan, I've got a problem with this, or I don't understand this. Or do you find your team um, in their communication style going around everybody else to make sure that no one, you got that one or two people that nobody wants to step on their toes because they're afraid you're going to blow up. Or you may have that one or one person who gets upset if their way is not the way. And there's not healthy communication. I think the breakdown of healthy communication is one of the major warning signs of a unhealthy culture. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more to it. I mean, you can look at the friendliness of your church. Um, you know, it's and it's always good to. Uh, I think that we as insiders of our organization are bad 
um, evaluators of our culture because we have a, a, a stereotype of what we think it is. Well, truth is, we don't truly know. So what I've done, and, and actually I'm doing it more, I, I've tried to bring in secret shoppers into Take Heart and say, hey. Really? Yeah, I've, I've invited friends. I invited— um, So it's typically people you know? People that I know, but our church doesn't know. And, and, and I said, okay, hey, come check out our church. I want you to pretend like you're a visitor, check your kids into kids' ministry, and then afterwards, I have questions for them, and they'll say, hey, and, and I stole that straight from Church of the Highlands and some of those guys. They mm. do it. Hey, let me know. What was the friendliness factor, 1 to 10, of our church? It was, were we confusing in our offering? Were we? And when you get that back, you'll be amazed that you think that you've got this amazing culture of love and acceptance and friendliness, but then you, the person who actually visits for the first time goes, yeah, your people are friendly, but only to each other. Mm. So you have these huge groups of people hanging out and talking, and you got the new people over here like, ah, I'm not really in that group. This church already kind of has it figured out. And so it's eye-opening. So, uh, you know, I know I went off on a couple of well, rabbit trails. I, actually, I'd rather you stay there. So talk to me for the leaders and the pastors, but also for, like, the people in this podcast. They're just church members. Like, right. they're, they're not really involved in the church beyond, I'm going to show up on Sundays. T- tell me, what's their biblical responsibility to be friendly? And then what's Absolutely. their responsibility as just a member of a local church to show up and contribute to a healthy culture through friendliness. Yeah, I think I think it's so easy when we come to church to only gravitate to the people who we already have existing relationships with. And that's just human nature. If me and Evan are friends, well, the first person I look for on a Sunday is Evan. Mm-hmm. I think we have to begin to shift our perspective and say, okay, Sunday morning is truly not about me and my friend group. Number one, it's about God. We should come with an atmosphere of praise and worship, prayer, where we seek to him. And two, we should come to love others, love our neighbor as ourselves. Well, mm-hmm. you know, scripturally, our neighbor is whoever God puts in our path at the moment. So if you're bypassing 30 people to get to your best friend in the church, you're, you're really not there for the right reasons. You know, you have Monday through Saturday in relational building. So I think if you're a normal church member, if you're, it doesn't matter if you're a lay leader, a pastor leader, whatever, I, I tell my leadership at Take Heart, I'm probably not going to talk to you on Sunday. It's not because I don't like you. Mm-hmm. It's just because there's other people that God's putting in our path that we are to connect with. And your culture is, it, it's, it's really easy to have a culture of friendliness within your comfortable group. But your culture really speaks to, are you willing to kind of leave that group and begin to speak and hang out and talk to and accept other people you don't even know yet? Yeah. Um, and, and I think we all have a responsibility for that. That's not the pastor's job. Yeah. If you're listening and you're, you're just a regular church member, that's your job, you know. It's we, we're one person, and as a pastor, when when um, when we say "Amen" and church is over, we get bombarded with people with needs, and that's our job. Your job is to go to the people who are who yet have the ability to connect with us and connect with them. That's what builds a healthy church. When a mm-hmm. church is not built on a single man or a single team, but we all work together as one organ, uh, one organism to reach and love those who God brings in the door. Um, you know what? Take heart. And we're not perfect. I'm just sharing what I feel that we're working towards. But, yeah. you know, there's people who get connected at our church that I've never met. And we're not even that big of a church yet, 300 people, 250, 300, because our people really are buying into, for the most part, that it's not about me, that if I don't get to them, that's okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've had people in my church I didn't, that have struggled with major illnesses like like cancer, and I didn't even know about it until four weeks in because— there was other people in the church taking on the responsibility of loving and serving. And and not like your elder team or whatever. No, just like a member of their life group or wow. a member of the church. And, you know, that's that's awesome. That's what the church should be. That's yeah. healthy. Healthy is all parts of the body working together. Unhealthy, I think, is when it starts at the top and, and, it, and it's put on the pastor to do everything, especially in a church like High Praises. You, it's just impossible. It's too big. Now tell me what you feel like. I know this is like a bit of self-assessment. What do you feel like you and maybe other leaders in your church did right, whether intentionally or organically, to produce that friendliness in your church? I think ours, um, you know, myself and Pastor Chris, we had the opportunity to, to, to start our culture at the beginning. We planted our churches. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I've never been a lead pastor of a church where I had to deal with 60 years of bad culture and try to change culture. So I do think for me— um, when we started Take Heart, we started with, like I said, seven people. But when we officially 
started our team, we started with 30 people on our launch team, 35 adults around 15 or 20 kids. And what I told those guys in the beginning was I said, don't call me pastor. I'm not your pastor yet. So for six months, we met and we just dreamed and prayed together and we planned and, and we, we built strategy and systems. I wouldn't let them call me pastor. I didn't preach. I didn't do worship services. We just, we built a team. Mm-hmm. I built a kids team, we built a guest services team. And we, we did this together. And I said, we're in this together. This is not about me. Um, I'm not the big dog. You know, let's just do this together. And I think that laid a foundation for true teamwork in our church. Um, now that's, that's hard for a lot of pastors because we're very A-type. We're, we're leaders. We think we can do it better than anybody else. And most of the time we can. We're the professionals. We're the professionals. And, you know, like, I'm, this is not true of me or Pastor Chris. We're the only two, but a lot of pastors have egos, right? <laughs> and Pastors definitely don't need to feel needed. No, you know, it's like, <laughs> because I think that uh, a lot of our culture, culture of the, of the, especially American Christianity, has created this thing where the pastor's it, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and, and I think there is a lot to that, but, but servant leadership is a lot different than, than manipulation or, um, or, the, or you know that type of leadership in our life. So mm-hmm. I would say, uh, you know, to do that to help create it, you've got to create a team atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You got to be willing to empower people, and you got to be willing to sacrifice a little bit of quality for sustainability in people's lives. You know, turning something over is hard. You know, but um, it takes heart. We have a, we have a saying that we're about life, love, involvement, freedom, and our last one's empowerment. And we want to empower people, mm-hmm. and sometimes that means that you have to look. Look someone in the eye and say, Evan, you know, man, you're passionate about this. You've went through the right channels. Your character's good. Your calling's good. You're competent. Your chemistry's good, which is for the four C's I know you guys use here. And mm-hmm. man, go, man, let's do it. And then release them. And that's hard a lot for a lot of pastors to do. Yeah, you got to trust people. Got to trust. Yeah. And you know they're going to screw up and do something stupid, and you got to stick with you them. You just got to stick with them. If failure is okay. Yeah. And I know we're on a rabbit trail, but uh, I would encourage any any leader to read the book called It by Craig Rochelle. Um, I'm reading it right now, and it is it is actually one of the best books I've ever read. And the, one of his chapters is is that churches that have it, you know, whatever you call it, you know, you know, you have a some churches you walk in or some businesses, you're like, man, they just got it. You don't even know how to explain what it is. Like Chick-fil-A has got it. They just got it. Whatever they do works. No matter what they do, they, even if it's negative press, it's positive press. You know, And mm-hmm. then you have some restaurants, no matter what they do, it just doesn't work. Some churches are like that. You, you know, you, They're not even doing a, a good job, but it just works. Whatever they have, mm-hmm. it is it. He says churches that have it, um, they, they welcome failure and don't despise it. They, they are open to failing. Because they realize that every time they fail, they're building the opportunity for for success in the future. So, don't That's be afraid good. to fail. Don't be afraid to fail with people. I like it. Tell me what else. I, I knew you. I know you have more stuff. What contributes to a healthy culture? We know we've got friendliness. What What else can we develop to produce that healthy culture? Um, like I said before, I think healthy communication, and I also think uh, unity. Unity is a big one. You know, disunity will rip a church apart. Now, and don't confuse unity with. Um, like, you know, everybody's got to say yes. Yeah. You know, unity includes healthy conflict and healthy tension. Tension's actually a good thing. Um, tension helps us grow. Tension helps us work things out. But it's got to be done in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And, and organizations that have bad culture have really bad conflict resolution in their church. Um, and I think that that's something that we have to work really hard. That's, that comes with the tolerating. You know, uh, a healthy culture, to me, and I know this is, I know we're going to get to this in a little bit, but... A healthy culture does whatever it has to do to get rid of toxicity. And I think that is number one, the key. If you're going to be a healthy individual physically, you have to, to get toxins out of your body. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't lose weight and eat a quarter pounder with cheese three times a day. It's putting <laughs> toxins into your body. You know, you, you can't be a true healthy person and you drink nothing but Mountain Dew with ton, loaded with sugar because sugar is a toxin that mm-hmm. goes into your body. The first thing you have to do to get healthy, my wife's a health coach, is to eliminate toxins. They have what's called a detox phase. Um, and my, my wife has a company called The Health Air, and, and, you know, she might kill me. Phase one shameless is the plug. detox phase. Yeah, shameless plug <laughs> out there. Uh, it's, it's the first phase is detox. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, because you can't get healthy until toxins are eliminated. So if you want to say, hey, what's a healthy culture? Well, you have to be willing to deal with toxicity and because toxicity does not get better. It's one mm-hmm. thing I've learned. So 
I would I would actually focus. That's why it's hard to to say here's step one, step two, step three. But but I think step one is if you want to be healthy, get rid of toxicity, and that is that means you got to be willing to confront and have and have conflict. And well, that's hard. Let's go ahead and get there then. Um, what? Tell me about a toxic culture. What is a toxic culture typically made of? Oh man, <laughs> where do you begin? <laughs> Honestly, I mean, you don't have to. You know it. You know what I mean? Like you know it. You know when things aren't right. You know, I, I can tell a little bit of our story. Um, when we when we, when you're a church planner, you take whoever you get in the beginning. It's just mm-hmm. what you do, and that's what we did. And and I, I I learned this from Andy Stanley and and from from Pastor Chris here for the culture they have here. You know, when when you're looking for leaders in your church, you go with the four C's, right? Andy Stanley has three. We used we took four. You, you, number one is their calling. Are they called? That should be number one, first and foremost. Are you called to do what you're doing? Two is your character, and then three is your competence, and four is your is your chemistry. Mm-hmm. So what we tend to do though is we bypass character and and calling or calling and character just because they're competent they're really good at what they do they're, and we need talented people and they we get along well with them they're fun to be around they work well with us so we'll we're willing to kind of like say ah you know so I did this at take heart I had an entire team and I'm not going to name names but I had a team that in some ways if I looked them straight in the eye and said are you called to do this they would say ah, I don't really know what you mean hmm. And they had some questionable character, whether it was in their marriage or whether it was whatever that looked like. And so what I did, I said, okay, they're really competent, really talented, and I love them to death, man. They're, they're super good, nice, just good-hearted people, good chemistry with me. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Well, man, that built a strong team in the beginning. The problem is is that when it comes to culture, if they're not called and they don't have good character, they're going to become toxic, and mm-hmm. it implodes on the inside. And it happened to us, and we had a, a, a huge staff turnover, Actually, complete staff turnover. Oh my gosh! Um, and it happened very fast, and it was my fault, you know. And and I don't think that toxic people do not mean they're bad people. Mm. We 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 tend to, to look at it the way you know the Bible says that we don't wrestle wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities of the air. We have to remember who's behind the toxicity. But the difference with that is is that we have to be willing to deal with that toxicity, and that does mean dealing with the people. And I didn't do that. So a healthy, a toxic culture looks like a culture where you're not willing to deal with the toxic issues and you become that peacekeeper. You work around it thinking that you can make it better. And I'm just being, if just listen to me, I know I'm young. I know I've been doing this as long as a lot of people maybe listen to this podcast, but you can't fix toxic people. Your job as a pastor is to get that toxicity out. Mm. Um, And that can come through a series of conversations. It may come from a, a, hey, can you step away for a little bit? Or it may come from a, hey, I love you. It's not about you as a person, but you, this this may not be the, the fellowship for you. This may not be the group for you. So there's a lot of ways to do that. Um, but toxic culture, man, it spreads, and it spreads quick. And the problem is is that the more Band-Aids you put on it, which I did, it it just gets worse. It just festers and festers and gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It gets fatter and fatter and fatter before long. The heart attack comes, mm. and uh, you're not prepared for it. Would you say? Uh, I know it's hard to narrow all these down. Would you say the mark if the marks of a healthy culture are things like communication and um, friendliness and unity? Would, could you just put that in the opposite? The some of the marks no, of a toxic not really, culture, not really, because you know, like I said, it, it's about perception. Okay, you may have the perception that your church is a friendly church, but what you don't realize is the toxic circles that are all around. I think that's what I'm trying to get so, at. So speak, you, speak to the pastor who maybe hasn't taken a second to look around and right. thinks things are going good, in reality, like, there are flames all around him. You know right. what I mean? And, and I think it's because if you're not taking the time to ask really hard questions of your people, then you're missing the boat. You're, you're missing mm-hmm. what does your culture really look like. I, you know, So you know, for me, I constantly ask our leaders, what's going on? What's happening? Tell me, I'm not in the kids' ministry. I can think that we have the best kids' ministry on the planet, when in reality, it could be that all our leaders are burning out and they're struggling to schedule people every week. We, we got something toxic, something's wrong mm-hmm. in our culture there. So so what's what's going on? I have to talk to the people who are on the ground. I got to be willing to trust them that they know what's happening. And, it, and then my job is to step in and deal with that culture, even if it's hard, even if it's a tough conversation, even if it's a, a complete shift of a system. Mm-hmm. 
We have to get that toxins out of whatever is happening because it will not just get better on its own, you know? And so um, I would say the measure is not really, okay, if you're a friendly church, you're healthy. If you're an unfriendly church, I don't know of many unfriendly churches. Yeah. But I know of a lot of toxic, seemingly toxic churches. Yeah. But they would think, you'd walk in, they got door greeters, they're high-fiving, they all got the... The nice shirts on that say the big signs. You can welcome sit with home. Me. We're here, right? <laughs> but but when you get into the middle of it and, and you're there, you start to see, man, there's some there's some pretty toxic things going on, and it's not being dealt with. Mm. And I think that so it's not about can you measure if we're friendly or not friendly? Because I've never met a pastor that said my church is really mean. Yeah, but I've met plenty of pastors that go, we're so friendly, but nobody stays. I can't understand it. What's happening? What? Why are people visiting? But we're not growing. Yeah. Well, there's got to be something in there that you're not seeing. And the only way to get to that is real open communication with the people in your church who are actually on the ground level, you know, doing what you just can't do on a Sunday mm-hmm. or on a, in a life group or whatever. Um, so be open to communicating. Yeah. And don't be afraid of it. Don't be yeah. afraid. You know, man, we, we as pastors, we love good news. We don't like to hear how bad things are, you know, but you got to be open to that of saying, yeah. hey, what's... What's the true picture of what our church looks like? And let's work to make that a healthy culture. Yeah. While we're kind of on this topic of, of toxic culture, because I feel like it's helpful, um, let's go back to toxic people just for a moment. Mm. Does it take a lot of toxic people, or can it just take one or two? one. It takes and, one. To me, like I think back, All right. you know, Jesus says, hey, like a little leaven leavens the whole lump, speaking of the Pharisees. Like, right. It can just take, what, one, two bad people, and can take your whole 300-member church is kind of... It can take one. You know, we're in the middle right now. I don't know when this will air, but we're in the middle of this coronavirus outbreak. It just took one person, right? It started with one outbreak, one city, and then all of a sudden now the world's in a in a in a panic because you know it spreads and it it it's it's a virus. It's toxic. It's and it does spread like wildfire. Mm -hmm. And even when you can't see it, even when some people may not even you know, let's just where we are show the symptoms per se. That person is spreading toxicity, yeah, and they may not even mean to. That's th- the hard part about it is they may even be good people. You know, we, we tend to look at toxic people as the person who's trying to, to tear a church apart and start one down the street. They're like demon possessed Judas, like ready right. to kill you. It's, it's yeah. not always about that. You know, I think you can look at several instances of Jesus. You know, like for instance, when he looks at Peter and says, "Get away from me, Satan." Mm. Peter was a great man who defended Jesus. You know, cut a dude's ear off to try to defend him. But Jesus, at that moment, he was being toxic to what Jesus was doing, you know. In, in mm. several moments in Peter's in Peter's walk with him, and so it was like, it sometimes it's it's not just about bad people, you know. And I think that that's the hard part is um, there are very well-meaning people in your church or in your company, but if they're not bought in, right? If they're not with you, if they're not behind you, if they're not working with you, they're working behind the scenes for an, for a separate agenda that they may even believe in with all their heart. You've got some toxic things in your church that you've got to, in a healthy way, um, deal with. Mm, that's good. Let's shift gears. Um, we we kind of touched on this earlier, but uh, go, go deeper into this, especially in leadership circles. Like, like you said, we hear a lot about vision. I know mm. in a lot of the books I've read, podcasts I've listened to, vision, 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 vision. You know, if you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. Um, but seems like you're saying, hey, culture trumps vision. Not the vision isn't important, but culture is number one. <laughs> Tell me, how do vision and culture work together? First, explain what is vision, and then how does it right. work together with a healthy culture? Actually, you're, you just said it. Um, Sam Chan wrote a, uh, has a book called uh, Change Your Culture, Change Everything. It mm-hmm. actually was the best book I've, I've ever read on culture, and I think that your dad told me about it. Yeah. Awesome book. And his first chapter is Culture Trumps Vision, and it is so true. Vision is what we cast um, for the for the for the future, vision is where we're going, right? And and scripture talks a lot about vision. The the, the scripture talks about uh, where there's no um, vision. Um, no, what, what's the my brain's not working? Uh, people perish. Yeah, yeah. And so, but a lot of that, what it talks about is is that where there is no. Um, what, what am I? What's the verse? My brain is literally. I have no idea. It's I'm too a early. Too, the, I don't know. It's too early. No, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. Why, why is my why is my brain a Google not break? Yeah, give me a Google break. Tell us something real quick. Oh man, I, I need some kind of like commercial or advertisement. Coleman, can you like uh, can you edit something in here? 
maybe some music or something. Okay, sorry. We're good to go. All right, so where there's no vision, people perish. It's, there we it's, go. It's the paraphrase of it, okay? And and I and I think a, a really good translation of this is is where there's no restraints. Culture is the restraint to your vision, if that makes sense. Okay. This is what I found in my life. So you cast this big vision. For me, uh, it's it's take heart. We're going to be multi-campus. We're going to have thousands of people. We're going to have this culture, culture. We're, I mean, I mean, we're going to have this vision, vision, cast it, cast it, cast it. We want to build our next thousand-seat auditorium in the mm-hmm. field. I mean, we're, we're casting vision that people can get around and be excited about. Our vision is seeing 100 people saved this year. And, I mean, we're just pumping it out. Yeah. And vision is what gets people excited and rallied and p- people bought in. And, and, and it's important that we cast vision because if we're not casting vision of where we're going, then we're just stuck where we are. And you can't stay still. You're either going to go backwards or forward. Yeah. The problem is, is that if we cast vision, 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 but our culture is not conducive to it, what the Bible talks about is people will go unrestrained. Mm. So you you set a vision from A to B. Well, if your culture is not the culture is the guardrails, the culture is what keeps people in, right? So if you have a culture of being the friendliest town in church, but the truth is your culture can't sustain that, you're going to have people going left and right and doing all mm-hmm. these these things that are going to cause toxic things in your in your in your church. Whereas if you're if you if you build the time to build the groundwork of culture, if you celebrate and you you don't tolerate toxicity, and you have this healthy culture, it's going to bring your vision to life. Talk to me about healthy people in your church. This is just a thought I had. If you have a really healthy vision but a really crappy culture, is it possible that the healthy people in your church are going to get super pumped up about this amazing multi- oh, yeah. multi-campus vision, and then and leave. Then, when, then leave because your culture's so bad. John Maxwell, I'm a big John Maxwell guy, right and um, John Maxwell talks about the law of the lid as a leader. Mm-hmm. And what he talks about is, you know, leaders are one to 10. And if you're a four, then, and if you don't do anything to change being a four, then when you, when you get leaders in your church who are a five, they're not going to stick around long because mm-hmm. they're a better leader than you. And you're not doing anything to raise your leadership level. And he also talks about how if, if, you, if you as a leader – are capable, like right now, if I'm capable of pastoring 300 people, if I don't grow as a leader, then I will subconsciously sabotage my church to get it back down to 250, 300. If we mm. go to four, it'll come back down because I'm not growing. Same thing for a church. You can cast all this vision, vision, vision. You got all these healthy people in your church who are like, man, I'm on board, dude. Like, I, hey, I'm all for this, man. I'm all in. Here's my tithes and my offerings. I'm ready to serve. But then you're, they get into the, the thick of it mm-hmm. and your culture's toxic. And people are disunified, and people are backbiting, and people are, um, you know, there's a there's there's just not this culture that you you have all this vision for, it, and they're like, this is never going anywhere, yeah. right? This this church is a four. I'm I see it as a seven, but the church is a four, and it's sabotaging itself back to a four. And I truly believe, man, I really do that churches businesses that feel stuck, okay. I think if they would take more of a dive into their culture as opposed mm-hmm. to their systems, I think they might find some things. Um, and and not saying I've got that figured out, but what I've found is that when when things are rough at Take Heart, if I take a step back and say, okay, what's wrong in the culture? What's going on? Yeah, what's ha- there's something somewhere that's causing because healthy things always grow. It doesn't matter what it is, they yeah. grow. It may be slower growth. That's okay. It doesn't have to be exponential. You know. Those churches probably aren't going to blow those, up. Those overnight. churches are the one percent, right? Yeah. They don't. Most churches grow. If you're growing at ten to twenty percent a year, you're you're a healthy church. Yeah. So, but if you're not doing that, I think it's it's worth taking a step back and go, okay, launching the newest worship service may not be the answer. Yeah. You know, going to taking your whole team to Church of the Highlands and adopting every single bit of their systems may not be the answer. It might just be we got to look on. We got to look inside. Let's get healthy first from the inside. Mm. Um, and I think that's, that's hard to do because it, it takes more time. How does that not overwhelm you as a leader? It's like, as you're saying this right now, like I can feel like an anxiety rising in my heart going, oh my gosh, like what if I evaluate and go, our culture's terrible? It's like, what do I do? Like it, that's, it seems like a mountain. Of almost. course, but wouldn't you rather know what's wrong? Yeah. You know, it's kind of like being sick in your body. I know some people who are scared of the doctor because they don't want That's to be That's me. I was sick. just telling about Elizabeth the right. other night. She's like, you haven't had a checkup in years. I was like, what if there's something wrong with me? She's like, don't you want to know? I was like, no. 
I just want to live my life and then die. Like, yeah, but what is you terrible. Could, yeah, but you could live 50 more years if you would, whatever could be wrong, is checked out. Right? I know, it's and irrational. It's stupid. It's, it's, but, but when you know what the problem is, then you can have a proper course of action to yeah. diagnose how to become healthy. If you don't know what the problem is, all you're doing is you're just gambling. You're, it's mm-hmm. like roulette, man. You're just spinning a wheel hoping to find the right thing. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's not going to work. Yeah. And so what we do is, is we say, okay, we're not growing. You know, you know, a healthy church, supposedly, whatever you average, your, your highest attendance on a Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. You should have that in visitors throughout the year, and you should grow. That's what Tim Keller is telling us, right? He's saying that. So for our church, uh, we had 378 vi- first-time visitors in 2019. Mm-hmm. We averaged in 2019 about 250. So we averaged more. I mean, whatever your Sunday average is for the year. I said that wrong in the beginning. Whatever your average Sunday is for the year, you should have more than that in visitors, and you'll be able to retain because mm-hmm. your back door, you're still losing people to moving, whatever. And we saw that. We saw about uh, going into 2020, we've seen about a 30% increase in that in our attendance. Yeah. So the problem, though, is if you're looking in and you're saying, oh, we didn't see, but we didn't see hardly any visitors this year. What do we do? Well, your first inclination is just to start throwing darts on a dartboard. Maybe we got to change our music. Mm. Maybe we should... Uh, become more contemporary in our foyer. Let's paint. Let's let's do and we, so we do all these things, but what we haven't done is diagnose the inside. The inside is the culture, and mm-hmm. say, okay, what's really happening? You know, because paint's not going to bring people in. Neither is new music. It, it may bring them in for a minute because you've casted vision. Yeah. But then if your culture can't sustain it, they're going to leave. So it doesn't mean there's something wrong with the product, but right. something wrong with the culture. Absolutely, man. You can have the uh, you can have the best product on the planet. But if your culture does not is not healthy, you're not a healthy church, and you mm-hmm. will eventually implode. We've seen it. You know, we're not going to name names, but we've seen it mega church after mega church yep. of guys who were not healthy in their in their leadership and in their culture, and they built these big churches and just imploded. It seems like it's happening more and more. Right. It's really sad. It seems like every few months. New famous pastor uh, is forced to step down or whatever, and it's you're because like, we don't talk about. On? We we talk about you know the measure of success in the American church is numbers and 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 now it's becoming presentation and live stream and all these things you can do but the the real health comes from the inside and what, that's that's the culture yeah. of who you are. What do you what would you say to pastors who? I guess I guess the way I think about it is you've got these mega church pastors, bad leadership, unhealthy culture, and then they end up failing. But these are the guys who should know better, right? They're the most learned. They're the guys writing the books. Like, you know, what would you, what would you say to guys with churches way smaller than that to give them hope? What can they do to instill in their church right now? I mean, if these giants are falling, you know, why mm-hmm. not them? They don't they don't have as many years of experience. They haven't written the books. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, if the biggest guys can fall, what's stopping all of us from just? Well, start with yourself. If you look at all these guys that that have that have unfortunately. Um, had a moral failure, had to step away. It's it's all about them. Mm-hmm. It's not about what they did in their church. It's it's a personal thing, you know. And uh, it could be problems in their marriage. I think one, make sure you're healthy. Make sure your marriage is healthy. Your your marriage should be number one. If your marriage is unhealthy, and and I don't mean perfect. That's a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we talk about it. Take heart right now. And it's a big deal to me. If your marriage is 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 truly unhealthy, you can't serve in high level leadership, and that will include me. I've made a commitment to my church that if my marriage ever becomes on the rocks, truly on the rocks, I will step down for a season because mm. my first ministry is to my wife and my kids, not to my church. And so I think you have to look at your priorities and say, hey, where am I at on the healthy scale? Do I have a healthy marriage? Do I have a healthy um, – am I healthy physically? Do I have a healthy rest? Hold on, stop. Tell me about that. Tell me about healthy physically and healthy rest. Well, we all struggle you, you with don't, that. You don't have to – like, don't feel like you have to roast people, but like – I would I would say for pastors this this is a problem, and it's I would say actually probably a for most Americans. Problem. Yeah, and look, I struggle. I can speak to it because I have struggled with it and continue to struggle with it. Yeah, um, and my wife helped me change that, and I still still struggle with it. I still have forty to fifty pounds to lose, and and we're getting there. But it's not about weight. It's not about how you look. That's that's the misconception. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not talking you, about something vain. No, I'm not talking about you look good on stage and can wear skinny jeans like Evan. We're not talking about skinny <laughs> jeans, right? <laughs> what I'm saying though is this: God spoke this to me about a year and a half ago. Um, I 
I, I weighed about 310 pounds. Mm-hmm. I'd become un, the most unhealthy I'd become. I could not go an entire Sunday without special shoes on because my feet hurt so bad. Mm. And God literally spoke to me and said, how can you pastor a healthy church if you're not healthy? If you're not healthy as a leader, personally, how can you expect to pastor healthy people? Mm. And man, that really hit home with me. And and I have worked hard to eliminate certain things, um, to do certain things that that have helped me either lose weight or just become healthy from the inside out. And it's not easy. But what I've learned is that you're trying to build this, you know, as a pastor, man, you're trying to build something so much bigger than you. No pastor has ever said to me, you know, I want my 50 and no more. Mm. That's what I want. I just want to be a small church. Man, I'm very, man, pastors are like, man, I want to be, I want to be the next Church of the Highlands. I want, I'd love to be high praises. I'd love to have a thousand people. I'd love to have 2,000 people. We're always wanting more. Why? Well, because it's about the, the spread of the gospel. And, yeah. But if you're not healthy, you will implode. You know, if you you have a heart attack, your vision's done. It's God's vision's not, but yours is, and you, you kind of did it to yourself. Yeah. You know, or you know, and so I think, like you said, if you want a healthy church, start with yourself. That's what I'd say to all those guys. Mm. You know, take time to rest, which I don't do a good job of, so I'm speaking to myself. You know, make sure that 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 you're eating right, or at least eating good. You know, you're gonna have days. I get that, but take care of your body, exercise. Exercise your mind, stay educated, read, just keep yourself healthy. Mm-hmm. If you're healthy, your church will begin to follow, and you'll be able to yeah. make healthy decisions for your church as opposed to toxic ones. This is an appropriate topic. Talk to me about mental health just for people and for pastors. I often wonder, um, maybe God doesn't give certain pastors uh, mega followings because the social media trolls would just kill them. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, we just kill them. You know, I think God knows what each person can and can't handle. Not, not. I don't believe. Yeah, this is just totally. And I don't mean that opinion. as like a weakness. Like you're, no, you're a loser. I mean, I, mean, that, that, I don't. I don't know yeah. if every man is is is. I would struggle. Is is capable of pastoring mega churches? I don't know if I am. You know, and so I think that's difficult because there's a lot more pressure that comes with each. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Take Heart was seventy people, it's a lot different than two fifty to three. I, you know, and. One day, if we ever reached 500 or 1,000, whatever we get to, it'll be a lot different then. I do think mental health is really important. Um, I do think that it's important for you to have accountability and have people you can be completely honest with. Mm -hmm. I'm big on counseling. I think counseling is important. Uh, I've been to counselors myself, not because anything was wrong, but it was more prevention and -hmm. and accountability. So your mental health is important. And, And one of the ways our mental health gets just tore apart is that as pastors, we think we can have no weakness. Yeah, and we think we have to hold it all in because we can't be honest with anybody. And truth is, there's some people you really can't be, but you got to find people you can be. You got to find people you call and say, "Dude, I am really struggling right now. Like, I'm about to quit. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Or this is not working. What do I do? Or hey, I'm struggling with lust, or I'm struggling with my exercise, or I'm struggling in this. Like, there's some things going on. We have to have that in our life to help keep us accountable in that mm-hmm. way. Because most pastors, man, we just we think we're Superman, and we're not. Yeah. And uh, and I think that that's one of the things that tears us apart. Yeah. Um, so mo- most of this episode has been directed towards pastors, towards mm-hmm. leaders, people in church organizations. Tell me, how does this apply um, to someone with a regular nine to five? Maybe they're not in church leadership or even, the, you know, they're not a CEO or a manager. Uh, what does this mean to a mom? What does this mean to someone who's just a part of an organization because they go to work and come home? Where do these principles fit into your life? Maybe not as a direct leader, but as a follower, as a member to an organization. What do I take away? You create culture everywhere you go. You don't have to be a boss or a leader or an entrepreneur or a pastor to create culture. You know, as a single mom, you know, moms, you create the culture of your home. I know in my house, uh, the culture is created by Bridget. Mm-hmm. If she's if mom ain't happy, nobody's happy. <laughs> you know, so you create that culture yeah. in your house. You create a culture of love and acceptance and and of discipline and mm-hmm. healthy healthiness and all those things. So it's, it's creating healthy cultures, not just for people that seemingly are above us. We do that. So if you're if you're just a guy in a in a that goes to work nine to five and you've got a bunch of bosses over you, we'll create a healthy culture where you are. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's if there's a toxic culture around you. Choose not to partake in that, whether that's mm-hmm. that's negativity or backbiting or or whatever. You know, people climbing all over each other to get to the next spot. Just choose not to do that. You know, the Bible talks a lot about you know work is working un, unto God, 
you yeah. know, and create healthy culture for people. Because what you'll find is that if you uh, create healthy culture, people are going to gravitate to that, and you'll become a leader. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? You may have you may have a, excuse me a toxic boss. You may be the catalyst for change for that. Yeah. And so um, I would say don't buy into untoxic culture. And we have to deal with it. I, I, I could understand how frustrating it would be to be in a, a, an environment like a business where the, the leadership is so toxic and there's, there's these toxic things going on and you feel like you can't change it. I understand that. But at the same time, we, can, we only can control what we can control. And we, if we choose to say, you know what, I mean, I'm going to live healthy. I'm going to have a healthy culture regardless whether you do. I'm going to be that way because that's who I am and that's who God's called me to be. Mm-hmm. I think that you can begin to change your perspective on it. Now let's take it to the extreme. What advice would you have for someone to decide when do I leave an organization with an unhealthy culture? At what point do I say, hey, I don't feel like I can stick it out any longer? That's in church, that's in yeah. business, that's in whatever. At, at what point is it safe to leave? I think if you're being asked to do things that are compromising to your convictions, it's time to get out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, or you know, you get to a place where it just it's so much stress that it's not worth the fight anymore. It's it's time to leave. Don't let money always be a deciding factor. Now, mm-hmm. look, God calls us to live in wisdom. You know, like if, if you have a family to support, you can't. You probably just can't quit tomorrow, mm-hmm. thinking that you're going to find a job the same way. But it may be time to make some some prayerful decisions. I'd say pray fast, and then start working to open some doors and let and trust that God's going to open them. Mm-hmm. But you should never you should never uh, compromise your convictions as a follower of Christ as a Christian. If you're if you're in a, an environment that is compromising to that, you know they're forcing you to lie or forcing you to do all these things, whatever that looks like. Um, that's something you shouldn't tolerate. You yeah. know, culture is what we tolerate, and if you tolerate it, you're you're adding to the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, now this got to be done in, in wisdom, and I get it. And I know there's a for people listening, there's a million different scenarios out there. You may say you don't understand. I might not, but truth is truth, whether I understand it or not. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, is that if you're being asked to compromise who you are as a follower of Christ and your convictions, it, it's it's not a culture you should be in. Yeah. So don't leave your church because you don't love the music style. <laughs> it has nothing to do with music style. Yeah, let's talk about that. Toxicity has nothing to do with preference. Yeah. You got to separate those things. Just because the sound system's a little too loud doesn't mean it's toxic. That's mm-hmm. not what we're talking about. So for people to confuse that, that's, that's actually toxic in and of itself. Mm-hmm. When we think that it's preference and method, that's different. What we're talking about is, is, is toxicity as far as sin and, and no unity and and unhealthy conflict and things like that. That's that's different. Yeah. Um, so we are the Let's Talk About God podcast. All right. Um, give me a three, four, five, whatever minute overview of Jesus's leadership specifically. Um, he's He was obviously the perfect leader. He led the greatest revolution the world's ever seen. He had an inner core of 12 and three and one disciple. Talk to me about Jesus's leadership. What do you gain from Jesus? What do you gain from the Bible? Who do you learn from from other leaders in the Bible? How, how do you learn from Moses? How do you learn from mm-hmm. David? How does the Bible influence your leadership, really? I think Jesus is the ultimate example of what a, a healthy leader and culture looks like. Mm-hmm. If you look at how Jesus did things, he led truly as a servant. He even said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And I think that the healthiest culture you can have is one of servant leadership. There's many times in the Bible, you know, one of the things that amazed me is is the time when Jesus at, at the Last Supper washes his disciples' feet and shows them uh, of what it means to truly get down and be a servant. And Jesus led, make no mistake about it, and he was a strong leader. He led with conviction, he, but he also led with love. And at no point in Jesus' ministry to his 12, and I, I kind of consider it a ministry to 12, mm-hmm. because what I see from Jesus that is so countercultural to the American church is there were times where Jesus would would be preaching and five, six, seven, eight thousand people would come and he would realize they're there for the wrong reason. And he intentionally would go so deep as to confuse them and they would all leave. Yeah. And then he'd be left with his twelve and he would go, They didn't get it. Like, they didn't understand. Let me explain mm-hmm. a little more. Jesus created such a culture for twelve men that ended up changing the entire world. Yeah. It wasn't Jesus himself that that um that ignited the church in the book of acts he was already gone it yeah. was it was it was the disciples 
It was the men who had spent the most time with the greatest leader the world's ever seen. And Jesus never manipulated. He never, he never, um, he, I don't feel like he ever pushed an agenda that was his humanity side. He always was about the, the will of his father. Mm-hmm. He was all about the business of his father. He rested constantly. The Bible talks a lot about Jesus would get away, just purposely get away. You know, there's the story of him teaching to the multitudes. Everybody leaves, and he's like, you know what? I got to have some time alone. I'm going to pray, and he sends the disciples out on the boat. Yeah. That's when the storm comes. Once he's done with his with his rest and prayer with his father, well, the disciples are in a panic moment. So he's like, ah, cool. So he just walks on water out to him. <laughs> but it, there's principles found in that of yeah. Jesus. Jesus rested. Jesus took time. Jesus mm-hmm. Jesus knew that this was in for the long haul. It was a marathon, and Jesus only had three and a half years to do this. Yeah, but he still took time to rest, be with his Father. He he led by serving. Um, and he showed us the true model of what it means to be a servant. And mm. leadership is about serving. I think we missed a boat on that. You know, a lot of us want to stand. I say a lot of us, but a lot of men want to stand and just give directions, man, follow me. Well, the truth is they're going to follow you if 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 you're serving and you're loving, mm. you know, and you're you're willing to do it. You know, when we started the church, even today, sometimes I'm the first one there and the last one to leave. Yeah. It's, it's because... It's it's modeled. How did Jesus earn respect? So random dude from tiny town, middle of nowhere, shows up and just tells a bunch of dudes, follow me. How did he earn their respect? Why am I going to drop everything for I think Jesus? that's a good question. I'm not sure we have a, a true picture of that. I mean, and maybe you have a good answer for that. So well, maybe can, why did they stick around? Maybe too. not the yeah, initial I think, thing. Why did they think, stick around? I think, you know, looking culturally at the disciples of who they were, you know, they were they were normal, low lowly tradesmen, and Jesus comes around and— and you know their dream was to be in, to be like a rabbi, and Jesus had the makings of a rabbi. So maybe in their mind they thought, okay, cool, here's my chance. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know anything about about the old, you know, about um, the Jewish tradition, most of the disciples probably had failed out of their rabbi school because every little boy was wanting to be a rabbi, and, and only the 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 elect were selected. Mm-hmm. So when you had all your disciples who were young men who were just tradesmen. Well, they obviously weren't the best of the best. Well, then a seemingly rabbi comes and says, follow me. Cool, let's do it. So maybe culturally that would explain why they did it. Why they stayed was I think they began to realize who Jesus really was. Yeah. Um, and not this is important, not who he was in his divinity yet. Because I don't know if they truly, I don't think the disciples truly ever got that until he was gone. Yeah. We don't see, we see a clear difference between the disciples after the day of Pentecost and disciples before. Even when Peter said, you know, Jesus, you're the Christ, he didn't right. get it. That's he why Jesus it. called him Satan right afterwards. Yeah, and he also denied him to his face yeah. in the middle. I, that that same Peter in the book of Acts would have never denied. Yeah. They would have they would have had their head cut off or mm-hmm. crucified or exiled to islands, which they all did, in order to be a part of who Jesus mm-hmm. was. So I don't think they truly got it. But what they did get was a leader who truly loved them and served them. And that's something they had never seen. You know, the... the the rabbis and the priests before them didn't didn't operate that way, and that's what I think. That's one of the Jesus, reasons Jesus just it disgusted. He called them whitewashed tombs, right? Mm. They were really pretty on the outside and had this this, but on the inside, it's culture. They were dead. Everything was dead and dying. And so Jesus came and he offered life. He offered life more abundantly. He gave them a different way to do it. He he showed them servanthood, leadership. He loved them. He invested in them. He spent time with them. You know, he wasn't about the crowds. He was about people. He was one at a time, one person mm-hmm. at a time, one miracle at a time. He'd go out of his way to help someone, you know, and I think that's just different than what they had seen. So yeah. why'd they stick around? Because Jesus was real. He was authentic. Jesus never put himself on a pedestal, Yeah, you know, and, and I think that's something we can all learn. Yeah, that's good. Well, thanks so much for showing up yeah, today. Man. I want to ask you one last question um, b- before we go, and then I'm, we're doing our bonus segment. I want to hear all some right, stories. All right, let's do it. But, um, Tell me, what are you watching? What are you listening to? And what are you reading right now? Whew. Okay. Uh, what am I? What am I listening to? What am I watching? What am I? Wa- I don't. I'm not really watching anything. I don't watch a, a whole lot of show. TV now. I mean, you're not watching the NBA at least at this time. They just nothing. canceled it. Yeah, I'm not watching a whole lot um, because one, I have a seven and four year old, so all they want to watch is Frozen Two. So, so you are watching. I'm watching Frozen Two. Frozen 2. Yeah, a good bit actually. Probably, a, I know every single song on that soundtrack. Excuse me. So. Uh, what am I reading? Currently, I'm reading It by Craig Rochelle. Cool. Also, I'm reading Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud. Um, we're doing that that book actually in our life group. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome book. Um, so I would highly recommend that one. 
Um, and it by Craig Rochelle. If you're a leader, I'm telling you, you need to read that book. It's it's pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And and as far as listening, I do listen. to Craig Rochelle is probably my favorite leadership podcast. I also listen to Kerry Newoff. Okay, good yeah. bit. Um, I listen to Tim Keller mm-hmm. a lot. You know, guys that 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 really have a lot of leadership principles mm-hmm. that I pour into. So I'd say those are kind of the three guys right now that I I listen to or follow the most. Awesome. That kind of help me. So go watch Frozen. Go, Frozen, uh, man. Go listen to Tim Keller. Do what you got to do. That's what we do. I listened to Fleetwood Mac for the first time this morning. Oh, nice. Well, okay. Right. Elizabeth showed me one song, and I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to him. I'm like, <laughs> this is pretty good. Like, yeah. I'm enjoying it. The if they have inappropriate lyrics, I am sorry. This was my first time. Please forgive me, but I don't, I don't know. But anyways, I enjoyed it. Cool. All right. Bonus segment. Bonus. Tell me, tell me, uh, tell me a story about me, and tell me a story about my brother Jaron that I'm going to cringe while you're telling it. Okay, so man, I got a lot of stories. So I have known, I've literally known Evan since he was a a baby, and since I had to babysit him and just about <laughs> change his diapers, right? So, <laughs> but one story about Evan I will never forget was <laughs> when I first came back to High Praises. Evan was in sixth grade, right? So he was, I think you were in sixth grade yeah, when I first came grade, back. Yeah, sixth grade, yeah. And so I had this idea to do a, we used to do these stupid videos, right? We just mm-hmm. made no sense. They were youth ministry videos. And we did one called The Plunger. You remember this video? Oh, I remember The Plunger, all right. <laughs> so My the whole, neck remembers the, whole, the Plunger. Right, so the whole premise of this, this Plunger video was... Stupid things that you did with a plunger. Literally, Not spiritual in any no way. No spiritual implications at all. It was just <laughs> funny. So I had this one scene where Evan was in a chair, and he's in the back of the auditorium, and he we were pretending like it was a, a youth service, and he was supposedly talking, right? Yeah. And what I was going to do as the pastor, I was going to throw the plunger <laughs> and hit him in the face, and then he was going to fall backwards on video, and it was going to be funny. So remember, this is literally probably my second week yeah. in High Praises as the actual youth pastor. And so I'm working with the pastor's son. So I put a, I brought a mattress, I think, and put it behind him. So I, you know, we're working the scene, and I throw it, and it hits him in the face, and he catches it and falls back. And then all of a sudden, he just starts screaming. <laughs> <laughs> he got hurt, like legitimately hurt, I think. You think he hurt your back. No, it was my neck. I, <laughs> I had a crick in my neck. I was he like, could not, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> He could not move his neck for a couple of weeks, and and I remember I remember his dad was not very happy with me so, so abusing his son. So I actually missed school the next day and ate lunch with y'all. So there's <laughs> yeah. you, you hurt me, and there's me, and I can't move my neck at Zach's beats. <laughs> oh yeah, so that was uh, that was that pretty was more bad. embarrassing for you than me. It was definitely <laughs> embarrassing for me, and and I had to tell people that I hurt Evan with a plunger. <laughs> It just makes you sound. It stupid. made me. It was not a good impression as your first, <laughs> you know, month as a youth pastor. Jaron, man, I got a lot about Jaron. So when Jaron is older than Evan, obviously, for people that are listening, and Jaron uh, was a kid when I was a kid, in, or a student in in Pastor Chris's youth ministry. So we would go on trips together. So I would travel with Pastor Chris as my youth pastor. We would do youth camps all over the state, and we were doing a youth camp. I think it was in North Carolina. And Jaron was there. Jaron was probably five, maybe four, something like that. So I was a big kid, and I, me and Jaron were like friends. So I'm like 15 or 14, and Jaron's four. Well, I hung out with Jaron in the back because I just we just we were just were I was a big kid. Neither and, of these stories are going well for you so far. No, nah, it usually doesn't. So anyway, I thought it would be funny, right? I I don't know how this happened, right? We're in a big van. Yeah. There's probably 15 to 16 people. And it did have like a little center aisle. I thought it would be funny in the back of the bus to, I don't know where I got it from, but to but to, to put a bathing suit, a lady's bathing suit onto Jaron <laughs> and make him walk around the bus to embarrass him. <laughs> so I did that and Jaron is walking in this bus in a bathing suit and uh, it was just really weird. So What was my parents' reaction? I don't even remember. Probably the same. Probably the same. You can do that today. No, you could not do that today. <laughs> you know, I was a teenager. And then Jaron used to come up to, uh, he used to come up to my, I used to have a little business called Snow Hut in Anderson. It was a big nice. pink building. And Jaron would come up there and sit with me and we'd play baseball. And it was, this is even embarrassing for me at like, he was like nine and I was, you know, whatever, 18 and he could throw a baseball farther than me. It was pretty embarrassing. So, oh my God. But, you know, as we know, he was pretty, he was I okay. mean, you're the reason he played D1 in college. Absolutely. Was the I trained Jaron. 
In everything. In everything. Every success he has, and you, is, is all because <laughs> You're of You're the reason I'm a youth pastor. That's me. You started here. Now I'm here. I'm going to follow. Whenever you leave Take Heart, give me a call. <laughs> You'll be the and next I'll move pastor over there. there but. Your dad might not like that. No, we're not going <laughs> to steal you. Well, look, thanks so much for stopping by today. It was awesome. Yeah, really man. Thanks for having it. me. I really a lot enjoyed of good it. principles. But hey, thank you all so much for listening to today. As always, go ahead and give us a like, rate us, subscribe so that you can get every episode right into your podcast feed. Um, also, send us a direct message at High Praises Church on Instagram or Facebook. If you've got any questions, we may answer it at the end of a future episode. And if it's good enough, we might make an entire episode out of it. We've actually got some of your questions, like, I don't want to say on back order, but we're holding on to them for the right moment um, so that we can make a whole episode out of them because y'all have got some good questions. Go ahead, send them in. Thank y'all so much for listening, and we see, we'll see you in a couple of weeks.